Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers over at Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of my wonderful co-hosts with me today. First up, he's the other lore writer over on Blizzard Watch, and that would be Matt Rossi. Hey, Rossi. Hey, everybody. How's it going? I actually, this has nothing to do with anything, mm-hmm. but um, I was walking to the store, just there's a store down the road, I was walking to it, and I saw a van go by. And the van had like I, I I don't know that it was supposed to be Varian Rin, but it looked like it was supposed to be Varian Rin's face, like just on the side of the van. <laughs> huge. This huge big chin face and just drove by real fast. And I was like, um can you come back Weird? so I can see? Yeah, I, I I don't know if it was just somebody else's face, but the chin was enormous, so I, I think it might have been Varian. I think one of the best things that I ever saw was when I was living in California and there was a man there who legit had a mystery machine painted exactly like the cartoons. It was all I never saw the person that drove it. I just saw it parked around town. Anyway, we should also introduce our other co-host. He would be our shaman writer and also a lore aficionado as well, and that would be Joe Perez. Hey, Joe. Hello. I don't have any vans with Varian Rin's face on it, but we do have somebody locally who has the Jurassic Park rover from the first movie. Oh, like the actual one used in the movie? <laughs> No, I mean, it's just, just a, a as close as they could possibly get to it. Like, the dude, like, actually I'm, I'm like, not, cut it up not, and redid everything. I'm not getting in that. No. Not going to get in that. <laughs> what, you don't like dinosaurs? I like dinosaurs just fine when they're not eating me. Does it have then a glass boy, are you of water be disappointed? on the dashboard? Or? I, I don't know. I've never been in it. You know, just, just for visual purposes, have the glass of water. The, boom, boom, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> Moving on. Hi, we talk about Blizzard lore. Today, we're going to be talking about World of Warcraft lore, which is kind of where our focus has mostly been all this time. Um, Mostly because it's the only game that's really got a lot of ongoing lore besides Overwatch, and Overwatch hasn't really had much new lately, except for the hamster. But I don't know if we could devote a show to talking about Hammond, really. (laughs) I I would sure try. (laughs) 
But uh, we have Patch 8.0 coming out on Tuesday, which is great and everything. It also signals kind of the death knell for Legion. We're pretty much moving out of Legion altogether. Um, so what I wanted to talk about this week, we have some emails and maybe we'll get to those a little bit later. But what I wanted to talk about this week in particular was just Legion itself and kind of do a little retrospective in terms of what worked lore wise and what didn't work and how we felt the expansion went on a lore level. I know myself, I <laughs> I consider it a vast, vast improvement over Warlords of Draenor and I'm pretty sure that both of you agree with me on that point but um what were you guys' favorite parts about legion like lore wise what do you think artifacts the, what do you think worked the best artifacts absolutely the artifacts um i think in a way they may have done themselves an injury in that i don't know how they're gonna top this but i loved that the artifacts managed to pull together so many different threads from mm-hmm. the past from you know other worlds that we'd never seen it, it, and it gave every class their own unique something we've wanted we would i, I remember uh, i think this was a conversation with myself and alex joe and maticus at one point way back in the day about the various class specific quests from the old game yep. like the the priest weapon benediction and, yeah. and rock and and yeah. quelsarar which was pally warrior um there was Something about that that was always really cool and that we always said, you know, it's a shame that they don't do those anymore. And then this expansion happened and they did them. For everybody. 36 of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was just amazing. Uh, there are there are some flaws with it and, and I'm sure we could talk about flaws with it. But in terms of pure storytelling, that was just so much that you you only going to get to see in one class and you'd even like only within one spec. So there was just a lot. I, I really think the artifacts are the, my favorite part of this expansion. What about you, Joe? Yeah, I mean, I I would definitely agree with artifacts. I would say that the original dropping of Order Halls also falls into that same vein um, because the Order Hall campaign, whether it, just taken as a whole, I think they were all really well done and tell a cohesive story for at least all of the classes that I've played through the Order Hall campaigns. Um, and in it goes back to that same thing that we're talking about where you had these these quests that were very sort of specific to your class well here you have different outcomes like you know the shaman being able to reunite the elementals again the elemental generals like that's huge that was a big thing visiting all these old places that we you know sort of lost to antiquity just due to the nature of you know how long ago was cataclysm well it's been been a while at this point here's a reminder um and just sort of getting all of that and then having that like i still have screenshots like i took like eighty thousand screenshots of like sitting there with all of the new elemental lords and their commanders i'm like yeah like it was just a good feeling and the same thing with like working through the paladin order hall stuff and the druid order hall stuff like it just it made me feel invested again uh in the story of those classes because i feel like they each were sort of like their finger was on the pulse of like the root of the story for the class there. I think, okay, I agree with both of you, but the thing that I really appreciate about both order halls and artifacts in general is that we got these giant chunks of story that were personalized to each class and each class's individual specs. But 
it didn't take away anything from the leveling experience. If anything, mm-hmm. the zone storylines and everything were just as complicated, if not more so, and just as involved, if not more so, than what we saw in Warlords. Because that I do have to give that to Warlords. Warlords had an absolutely fantastic leveling experience. It was it really well done. It was very well paced. Each zone had its own unique story. It had, you know, the cinematics at the high points and things. And they brought all of that forward, but... They also delivered a ton of individualized story content on top of all of this stuff without actually taking away anything from the leveling zones. And the other thing that I really appreciate, and I Legion, Legion, I think Legion has kind of edged out Mists of Pandaria in in, in my favorite expansion order list, which I didn't I didn't think anything would ever top Pandaria because I loved Pandaria a lot. I thought that it was really, really well done from a story standpoint. Um, maybe some people didn't appreciate the glut of daily quests and everything, but at the same time, you can't you, you cannot deny that Pandaria had probably one of the most compelling stories of any of the expansions, really. But Suramar. Let's talk about Suramar, because Suramar was something a little bit different. Suramar ended up being, it wasn't just endgame content, it was like an entire leveling zone dedicated to people who had finished leveling. And we've never had anything on that scope for endgame content before. We've had daily quests, yeah, sure, but we've never had an ongoing progressive story at Endgame to keep everybody busy until, you know, different tiers of raids started coming out. And, you know, on top of that, the pacing in general, we were constantly getting new story. We weren't getting new story maybe every patch, but we were getting little bits and pieces here and there. It never went away. Like, we, we're we about to hit patch 8.0 on Tuesday, and I still feel like there's stuff that I haven't done, and there's a lot of stuff that I haven't seen yet. The the city is massive, and that like that's the thing to sort of take. Like you hit the nail on the head when you said it's like a leveling zone for people that finish leveling. That is a great description of it. Yeah, because it 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 feels honestly legitly like a like a a living city. And and this is a this is a conversation that um, I had with raids and a bunch of my other D and D buddies. Um, we were talking and we were playing through Saramar, and the, the 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 first thing we got the feel of it for is that it was Mesobarazon. Like it, it just it felt like this big, massive, cut off city from the rest of the world that you're getting to experience for the first time, and that it was just this weird like yanking of of like elf culture that had been like pulled out of the time stream, right? Where it had just sort of evolved, and you as the player got to go experience it, whether it was a quest to go run down an errant dinosaur or whether it was like, you know, the little NPCs that you can talk to that are hidden in the houses or trying to figure out your way through the massive, you know, city structure of, um, you know, waterways and, and figure out there where everything so is. Many, like There were so many little, little things. things. Yeah. Like, like the grappling hook points throughout the city. It took forever to, for me to figure out what the heck those things looked like. Because for for a while they don't, look like the ones, they don't look like the ones in Stormheim at all. No, they don't look like the ones in Stormheim, and they're also kind of you know hidden here and there, so you really had to look really close to see what the heck those little pegs looked like, and they didn't really stick out anywhere. But once I found them, it added like a whole new dimension to and and I mean 
Surmar had enough of a dimension in and of itself, there was this persistent sense of danger because even though you were in disguise throughout the thing, there were still those NPCs all over the place. And I don't think I'm ever going to be able to hear an illusion without thinking of Suramar from now on. But um, beyond that, I mean, there were the little pots all over the place and you could hide in the pot to get away from people. If you had been seen, you could use the grappling hook to get up above and get out of harm's way if you had to. And the the fact that there were like NPCs all over the place and you had choices, like there were NPCs where you could you could give them some of the mana that you had collected just to be nice because they were sitting there starving and you could just hand over five five of them to these people did you guys ever do that there wasn't really a benefit for doing it i just did it because i was like oh no you're starving this isn't good here have some stuff it was an rp delight at that point yeah yeah it was just one of those little kind of side quirk things now boralus and desara lore in, in battle for azeroth are both looking like they're shaping up to be the same kind of city only instead of being a questing hub zone or whatever they're actually like the capital cities for either faction when you're on Zandalar or when you're on Kul Tiras, which is fantastic and I love that to bits but what I'm hoping is that we still get that's the only thing that I'm kind of worried about with Battle for Azeroth and it's the same worry that I have going into any, any expansion and I have the same worry going into Legion um, and I think we talked about that before I think we probably talked about that before where when you are playing on a beta you only see up to a certain point you can level up to max level on beta but you're not seeing anything that comes in in end game not really Cut, you don't and you don't even see any of the cutscenes or anything like that either no. too which are a huge part of the unlocks like as you go through things no but but beyond that though what I, what I'm usually find myself really concerned with and the big worry that I have is are we going to have enough stuff to do at you know once you reach 120 to keep us occupied and I have to say, after seeing what Legion managed to deliver, I do have more confidence that, yes, we will, but I don't think it's going to be a repeat. We're not going to get Suramar Part 2, which kind of... Dis- it makes me sad in a way, because I really loved Suramar that much. Um, but like I'm going to be the dissenting voice here. You can be and the that, dissenting voice if you yeah. want to. Suramar did not grab me the way it grabbed you and, and other people. It just... I did it to get the achievement and everything. And then, like, I know people who went back and back and played multiple characters and loved it. For me, I was like, nope, this ain't it. It didn't, it, I don't like it. And I, it wasn't like, part of it was quite simply the incredible pain in the butt of an illusion. What are you hiding? It just after a while, I got sick of it. I felt like, can we stop this now? All that's going to happen is you're going to blow my disguise and then I'm going to murder you. Because that's what ended up happening. And it wasn't a good story moment for me. I felt like that was a cool story moment when you started infiltrating and you started going to Suramar. Okay, this is a cool story moment. The place is on edge. You know, but once you get to a certain point, I felt like this needed to change. And in a, in a really weird sort of way, I felt like Argus actually did for me what Suramar did for you. And I know we're not talking about that yet. We're still talking about Suramar, so I'm not going to go belabor We're, we're going to get to Argus because, yeah. yeah. But in terms of like... I, I get why people like Suramar. I've never said it isn't quality or it isn't good, but it didn't work for me that way. I didn't get that feeling. I'm not like, in a, in a weird sort of way, I actually like Boralus and I keep saying Durazalor and it's not Durazalor. It's, it's Dazaralor. Dazaralor, yeah. I think they're actually better for me in that they're more hubs. They're not just 
big adventure zones, they're actually like places to go and relax a little bit. So I'm, I'm maybe more optimistic about them, but their story is more complex too anyway. So I can't really, we can't really cover that now, but yeah, Suramar for me was like, it was so close, but didn't quite get there. Like I did not get like the story was good. Certainly. Um, especially near the end of it. I, I, I will say this. I really liked the characters in Suramar, specifically the characters you, you help. Yeah. Um, I did, they did a really good job making me actually care about them to the point where my heart got broken by <gasps> Suramar at the expansion. I know. It, 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 that part. Well, okay. I'm happy that we got playable Nightborn. Don't get me wrong. I am happy that we got playable Nightborn. And I do believe that the reasoning that they gave for them joining, siding with the Horde is solid reasoning. Sure. But at the same time, I still find myself wishing that these guys had taken the neutral stance that was adopted by the Pandaren, where you got to a point, you know, where you rolled that allied race and that allied race picked one side or the other to ally with. But that wouldn't have made them a really true allied race because it would have been like split right down the middle and then you have Nightborn fighting each other and that's kind of the last thing that they want to do at this point because what did they just get done doing, you know? So it does make sense in a way, but at the same time, I do find myself a little bit disappointed just because, like I said, I, I, I had hoped that people would be able to play them on both sides. You know what I mean? I, I, I get exactly what you're saying, and I understand why they're Horde. And it, I mean, ha- I do have a Nightborn Warrior now, so I understand why they're Horde. It makes sense that they're Horde. Uh, I would, I'm not arguing it doesn't. But I played a Night Elf through Suramar, and so from my experience playing it, a Night Elf saved them. It feels kind of disappointing yeah, because it's, it's like, like, I I invested all this time into saving you guys and you chose the other side. Yeah, And I feel like this is a case where Blizzard kind of didn't understand how popular these characters were going to be and how popular this race was going to be. Like, I don't know if they, if it's impossible to say, I don't know if they knew going in that, oh yeah we're going to have all these these playable races in the next expansion because we know they're developing the next expansion while we're getting the previous one like we knew they were working on on the uh, battle well before legion was even out so uh, this is not something i can answer but i definitely feel like and I, I mean joe hasn't talked for a little bit so maybe he'll have an opinion i feel like they kind of made one runaway success and then they had to come up with others like oh what's the other horde race going to be um uh Okay, uh, 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 Torin. Yeah, they, we can have the High Mountain Torin. Those are those are cool, right? And and we'll have evil elves, but they're not evil. They're just voidy. Void elves. That's good. And 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 shiny Drana. Yeah. And none of them were like the the emotional connection of Suramar behind them. Well, I mean, that depends on the player because I had a huge emotional attachment to Thunder Totem in general and and High Mountain Torin because yeah, but nobody, no Alliance player thought for even a second that the High Mountain would join the Alliance. Sure, but and, and that and that's fine. But you're also not going to have those. I, I don't know a single uh, Horde player that that thought that the Lightborn were going to or Lightforged were going to. Yeah, but did you, you know, know, join you know the what I mean though the late neither the late forge nor you know the, the high mountain had that enormous amount of story behind them that the, I would argue Sermon that did. I would argue that they did it's just not presented in the same way because okay light forged all of Argus um all of high Argus, mountain Torrent, all, of, all Argus. of high mountain 
I, I would say that High Mountain probably had more of an emotional investment with me than the stuff on Argus, just because the stuff that was going on on High Mountain, I was really directly involved with. And when we got to Argus, it was like, yeah, we showed up, but these people have already been here for a thousand years. Yeah, you know we, what we I were mean? just so joining. We were just joining a war. Yeah, there wasn't quite the same degree of emotional attachment to the light the light forged as there was and of course you know the void elves void elves are brand new it's like oh okay that's how you guys are going to introduce these guys you know um i think it's interesting that they decided to bring i find the choices for the factions interesting because the alliance got two powerhouses like magic powerhouses in two very different specializations you've got the light forge and obviously they're more wholly focused and focused on the light never they've been supercharged with the light essentially and then you've got the void elves who have been supercharged with the void so the alliance managed to pull in two of these incredibly incredibly powerful magic users with all kinds of potential and maybe the horde got the short end of the stick in that fashion because the nightborn yes they're powerful yes they're amazing spellcasters and everything but the nightwell's dying out so how powerful are these guys going to be realistically once that has completely petered out? That's interesting because a discussion I had with someone um, from the guild that I currently hang out in, he made the point that of these groups, the High Mountain might actually be the strongest in yeah. terms of, of pure magic. It, because they're the, they have a really strong uh, shamanic, like elemental component. Mm-hmm. They're, they're the ones who've had, the, they had that hammer for eons they've had thousands like, since, and thousands yeah. of years yeah and uh they were the ones who like when uh when that hammer got into the hands of dargul he you know immediately started misusing it but they had that thing for ten thousand years and they didn't misuse it once um so there's there's something like it's also interesting because when you do this of the four stories that you do for the allied races i feel like we can talk about this but maybe you guys want to wait on it i don't know you know we're that's we're kind of veering into Battle for Azeroth content because the allied races are pretty much tied into that, and I really kind yeah, of yeah. But these the are fo- all Legion stories, though. This is all stuff yeah. you do now. Yeah, but I do kind of want to turn the focus more to Legion. Um, obviously, you know, we've got mixed opinions about Suramar. Rossi, you didn't think it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Joe and I well, feel differently. <laughs> it's, not that it, it's not that it's not good. It's just you, you, you get to have... a point in lore. They get to a point in the lore stuff where either it hits you or it doesn't. Yeah. Like, either there's a resonance or there doesn't. And I wanted to like Suramar a lot because there's a lot of really, like, when you look at it, I think objectively anyone can look at Suramar and say, this is a brand new way to do this in World of Warcraft. And it's very, very impressive. Yeah. Uh, I, I, You don't have to necessarily like all the story stuff. But to a degree, I don't think it's Suramar's fault. As much as it was of the fault of where I was in the game at that time, yeah, and what then happened after, then For that's me, not something you can really. That's not Suramar's fault that they did something later that I didn't like. For me, I really like the idea of a story about rebellion. That was part of the reason why I really dug the end of Missa Pandaria because the Horde was essentially turning on itself. Um, but it had that whole dark spirit rebellion element towards the end, and I really found that really compelling, given that as a Horde player, I didn't agree with anything that Garrosh was doing, and I felt really terrible about everything that I was doing in Pandaria. So Siege of Orgrimmar kind of gave me a chance, story-wise, to get some 
kind of try and redeem some sort of respect for my character and the faction that I had chosen to play. You know, it just made me feel bad about being Horde, really. That's what that's what Pandaria did until the end there. Um, Suramar, the way that the Suramar story played out was absolutely fascinating to me and you know you saw like the first glimmer of it in that comic that they released before legion was even out with you know w- with a nightborn and everything and it kind of set up what was going on with Thalystra, and then you ran into Thalystra in game and it just went from there but it was like every npc that i ran into and had some kind of interaction with in suramar i immediately started caring about and maybe you know, that's just me and that's just the kind of player that I am. I'm a sucker for a good rebellion story. I'm a sucker for a good underground movement and all that other stuff. And uh, it, the way that it felt, you know, it felt vaguely like, oh, somebody's put some Assassin's Creed in my Warcraft. I really appreciated that. Um, but let's move on outside of that. I want to talk about the Broken Shore. Because the Broken Shore and the Return to Broken Shore and the Tomb of Sargeras were all pretty much hyped right from the beginning of Legion. We were expecting that we would have to go there. And we were expecting that we would have to clear things out. And we were expecting that we would have to deal with Gul'dan. We were expecting we would have to deal with all of this other stuff. Turned out we dealt with Gul'dan and Nighthold. And then Tomb of Sargeras turned out to be something else entirely where we were dealing with Kil'jaeden. How do you guys feel about the Broken Shore experience? Because I feel like that was probably the one weak point in the game for me. I honestly felt like it was stronger because it got... This is one of those times where I feel like it's stronger for the Alliance because you get to see more and you get to see something that I think is pretty important, but the Horde didn't get any corresponding stuff. The Anduin thing was probably one of the best things I've ever seen. I want to hear from Joe, though. Joe, how do you feel Broken Shore went? mostly meh like and this is just i know people loved it but i didn't like it was it was one of those things where like the intro and everything that led up to it and the hall of the all of the events that sort of started everything off were great those are great story moments those are great cinematic moments uh they were great jumping off points for all of the stories that were about to take place but when we went back there it it just felt like to me more like here's just a daily quest hub go have fun and that's it like it did there wasn't really anything that that felt heavy until actually going into the tomb like tomb of sargeras as a raid that was fantastic i loved that raid i really loved the dungeon that they introduced too and i loved the cathedral of night that was absolutely fantastic and the story beats in that were great everything else about the broken shore i could have literally done none of that and not missed a darn thing and rossi i think because I know you mentioned with Alliance players, obviously there's that whole there's that whole story that plays out with the Andwin's locket or Varian's well, locket that you take to Andwin. Well, yeah. Plus, I mean, it's the very fact is the Horde lost their war chief, but their war chief, you know what happened to him? His body got taken back to Orgrimmar. He wasn't dead yet. He died there after he made Sylvan. You know, the story doesn't go back to the Broken Shore the way it does for the Alliance. The Alliance had that moment, and the other thing is because at the beginning of Legion, the Horde got to see both what was happening Horde side and what was happening Alliance side. The Alliance didn't get to see what was happening Horde side. So if you played Alliance up to that point, you just saw what looked like the Horde basically turning and and leaving you to die. It looked like a betrayal. Uh, You didn't get to see anything else. You didn't know what was going on. So there's a lot more resonance. Varian's death hits you and there's no 
you don't get to see like you know Sylvanas going, oh god, I don't want to do this, but I have to. You don't get to see like the retreat. You don't get to see Vol'jin's immediate. There's a lot of stuff you didn't get to see. So I think the Broken Shore has a little bit more resonance if you're an Alliance player that it wouldn't have for Horde player. And that's not entirely to say that there's no difference. I mean, that, that there's there's a huge difference. And there is, uh, let's be upfront, the Broken Shore as an actual questing experience is really light on lore. It seemed kind of static. I felt yeah. like to me, like the, the parts that were really good were the bits that led up to the dungeon because you get to see Illidan and, um, oh, bloody heck. If I can't remember her name, I need serious help. Maya. Maya. Thank you. <laughs> I, I got it before you said it. So I did manage to get there. Uh, if you get to see some Illidan Maya stuff, especially when you actually went into the dungeon, you get to see Velen starting to step forth. There's people, you know, a lot of that stuff is there. But it's not really part of the questing because it doesn't have much of an overarching quest. Surmar has daily quests, sure. It's got, you know... Well, you're advancing world a story. Quests, but you're advancing a story, too. Yeah. There, uh, the only story to advance on the, on the Broken Shore was unlocking a dungeon to then unlock a raid. And there's nothing else. Once those things are unlocked... The, the quests that you get, there's like the, the various uh, Mage Tower artifact quests, which are not really part of the Broken Shore. And there's more, artif- there's more Order Hall campaign stuff to advance your artifact. But again, not really part of the Broken Shore. They're kind of the story- like side things that were introduced yeah. that ended up being more interesting than the main thing. Yeah, because honestly, once you unlock it, the main thing is really you get to see this cool bit with Anduin and you only get to see the cool bit with Anduin if you're Alliance and the Horde don't have a corresponding cool thing. And that's weird to me. I mean, I'm an Alliance player, but the way they split it up was so that the Horde kind of front loaded everything so that they got, they got more stuff for the original Broken Shore than the Alliance did. And then the Alliance gets this bit that the Horde doesn't get. At, at halfway through the expansion. It was, it was a weird little split. At the same time, I kind of like understand why they did it that way in terms of they couldn't they couldn't follow up with Varian immediately because they no, no, just exactly. barely managed to get out of there. What I appreciated particularly about the Andwin thing as an Alliance player was that Andwin, a- Andwin gets to be king now, which is kind of a terrifying prospect, and we didn't really see anything of Anduin on the Alliance side while we were leveling through the Broken Isles. And, and once we had hit and, you know, done the Suramar stuff, Anduin wasn't really a factor in any of that either. So there was this, always this kind of lingering question on my Alliance characters of, is the kid okay? Like, is Anduin okay? How is he dealing with all of this? How is he handling all of this? Is is he going to be all right? How is he going to be as a leader? We don't know yet because he hasn't really said anything, hasn't really made a peep. He's probably getting things together in Stormwind. Okay, I understand that, but is he going to be okay? And then when we got to the Broken Shore and we picked up that locket and took it back to him, that whole storyline was basically this reassurance that, yeah, he's going to be okay. He had some processing to do, and this is kind of like the finalization of that processing. And then we actually, you know, kind of get to lay Varian Rind rest in a way that wasn't possible so much at the beginning of the expansion um and i appreciated that i I actually i really appreciated that as an alliance player but that one moment didn't really make up for you know (laughs) cadgar sitting there going hey can you pick up some shiny rocks for me thanks you know it it just it didn't weird it's weird because the the actual 
raid lore and especially that last moment at the end of the raid and for that matter the the lore and the five man are all really fun and really good stuff they're so good but you don't get to see it like unless you one of the things that you know has been a problem for world of warcraft since they introduced it and will continue to be a problem for world of warcraft until they figure out what they want to do with it is that they want to treat lfr as a, a valid alternative to raiding with a group and yet don't want to penalize you for like raiding with a group do you know what i mean like they have these two things they don't they don't want lfr to replace raiding but they want it to be there to allow people to get to see the lore and as a result because they space out lfr the way they do people don't get to see the lore for weeks if they're not in a raid group and that's a weird push pull that they're gonna have to figure out a better way with sooner or later they're going to have to figure yeah, out something else. Kinda, well, I mean, I feel staggering... like they've made a statement about this, right? Like they, they, in, in, which is like the whole try to pull a lot of the lore like out of raids and put it into the world. Cause there was a point in time where like the only place you got lore was in raids after yeah. you hit max level. Totally. And I, yeah. I don't accept what you're saying is totally valid. It's just that you still kind of have these moments at the end of raids. Oh, yeah. No, no. You know, and... I agree. What I'm saying is I think they've already done a good job. I'm not giving them a full pass. I think it can still be better. But I'm saying I think they've already done a good job of pulling a lot of, oh, this used to be only something you could see in a raid now into other zones and other things like we were just talking about Suramar. And, you know, a lot of the stuff that happened there, uh, like you go back to the Wrath of the Lich King or you go back to, to Cataclysm that was like, oh, it'll be in a raid. Don't worry about it. You'll, you'll see all that in a raid, different stages of the raid. Like, I agree with you that there there needs to be more done to pull more of it out or refine the system for LFR. It's, it's, it's better it's better than a statue getting stuck in the middle of Dalaran and you clicked it and you saw the end cinematic. Okay. Yeah, that, it's better that. than that. But it isn't perfect yet. No. I, and you know, I mean me saying that I'd like them to do more doesn't mean that I think that what they've done is bad. Uh, for one example, we're not really going to get much time to talk about it, but one of my favorite moments is the end of, is the end of the Stormheim quest. Not just the the big confrontation cinematic, but the actual bit that leads into the dungeon where you you go and fight um, big annoying you know radioactive Felvrykel jerk guy. Uh, and if you did like certain artifact quests, you kind of carried on with that story too like the, the warriors didn't get to see it but paladins and rogues do i think yeah where you you know, and the overall yes honestly that's even better there's a lot of really cool lore to to stormheim some of which is very alliance and horde centric but some of which is just you know out in the world anybody gets to see it stormheim's a really good example in my mind of completely related stuff like it's a it's involved in the story but at the same time it's not it does. It does much better what I think they wanted from the Broken Shore, but they didn't get it. Like Suramar does it better too. Even if I'm not as excited by it, Suramar did it better too. The Broken Shore kind of just stops when it gets you up to the raid in five man door, and that's. I think that maybe what we're what I'm saying is that the the Broken Shore did not do the thing Joe just said they're getting better at doing. Like it's like they forgot to do it for the Broken Shore. They didn't yeah. break out that stuff. From Broken Shore felt like almost like, hey, you remember that thing we had? We we probably should go back there at some we're, point. We're gonna go ahead and slap this together real quick. And by the oh, way, we, the dungeon and the raid are gonna be fabulous. But the rest of it's just world quests, and the yeah, world and, quests weren't 
weren't really like super lore heavy or anything. They were just kind of some of them. Of, bits some of, of them are good, but a couple yeah, of them were. But, but were, you had like to go kill ten demons. Yeah, thing. but they were like you know there were little like bits and pieces of this and that, and it just felt kind of mishmash. It it felt a little static to me. Um, we have a limited amount of time to work with, so I'm going to go ahead and push us forward here because we need to talk about Argus because I think that Argus succeeded on every point that the Broken Shore did not, and then some. Yeah, I think Argus managed to convey to combine the stuff you guys liked about Surmar with the few moment, the few bits that I liked about the Broken Shore, and then blew them out because it took the it went back to Warlords again, but Warlords took it from the Isle of Thunder for Mists and. If if we'd had another year of, of Argus, I think we'd all be bloody sick of it. Just like we're all bloody we were all bloody sick of Tanam by the end. I think we got just enough without being overloaded. Yeah. I, I think that the timing on this, like I said at the beginning of this all, I feel like the timing on delivering content, Blizzard finally nailed it with this because we're like I said, eight point is coming out on Tuesday and I still feel like there is stuff that I have yet to see that I haven't done yet and that I might not get to before Battle for Azeroth is here. And that's never happened with any expansion before. It has never happened. So Yeah, the shortest expansion time I think was what? What was it before I did a I did an article about how the shortest I want to say it was time. World of Warcraft a Burning Crusade. Well that was still two years. Yeah, you but know. but no, but I'm talking about like from the last patch that they did in World of Warcraft because they oh, yeah. it, they came out with Max Ramus and then not too long after that, all of a sudden, boom, we were in Outland, and I think that was like the shortest gap between the last content that we got in, a, in an expansion and the next expansion coming out. I think the Cataclysm to Mists one wasn't too bad either, but yeah, it's been a long time since we had a, a, we've had content steadily delivered mm-hmm. and then had a new expansion just ready to go. And that's like, I think honestly, this is why warlords just taken as a story is not actually a bad story. And I don't think that's ever been the problem with it. The problem I don't was think that it, it was, was a bad story. I just don't think that there was enough to it to warrant the amount of time that it was out. It was on, it was on too slow a drip. Yeah. Like I was going to say, if you think of it like a, like an IV of story, someone's pinching that thing. I need you to actually unkink this so that the the, the lore is getting into me because I'm not... W- w- you put out one patch and then a year later, nothing. God, come on, guys. And I think that Argus is an example of them doing the best job ever of not just getting you more lore, having that lore be connected and involved in everything. I, I'm gonna, That part, when you get up to the part where you think you've done everything cool and you've won everything and they, a cinematic starts playing and you're in the cinematic which is rare for WoW. That, that I don't think that ever happened before this. Uh, and you're watching it, and you're like, yeah, everything's fine. And then suddenly everything is not fine. And <laughs> that there's... was, yeah, I really appreciate what they're doing with cinematics. It, it's something that they've started to utilize, and I think we're going to see more of it in Battle for Azeroth, where your character kind of... The first time I ever remember seeing anything like that was in Throne of Thunder when you were approaching and the bridge broke out from underneath you. Yes, because all yeah. the little yeah, but you could barely see yourselves. But yeah, you were there. And there was only views. like a ha- it was like the first handful that were through that door got to be in the little cinematic thing, and everybody else was not. But <laughs> it, it that was the first time we saw that happen. And then with this one, it was like your character front and center. Oh, by the way, everything's about to just fall apart. This is bad, and you get pulled out of there just in time. But oh man. That cinematic was so cool the first time it played. I think my favorite part about Argus, though, was that Argus has been this vital 
central point to the Drunai storyline for so long. And particularly with Velen, it tied into who Velen was so completely that seeing him in particular get to go back and see what has become of the world he once knew um, and even you know confronting those ghosts of his past and that kind of thing to me that was completely I mean it felt good it felt so good and the payoff at the end and the resolution of Illidan's storyline felt a lot more satisfying than anything we got in Burning Crusade I mean it just it felt good well it's like Joe had said up front even before they announced Argus, mm-hmm. Joe was the one saying that we'd have Argus at the end of this expansion. I actually even said I didn't think it was going to be. So let's let's just have that out. Joe predicted this, and I said it wasn't. Uh, nah, man, they're Joe not called gonna... it. Ting, you get a cookie or something. I don't. Sweet. <laughs> I didn't even have to say anything. I just get a cookie. So I, I have a question for you guys, um, because I I do like want to move on here. We've got, like I said, limited amount of time. Is there anything? that you expected to see in Legion and didn't get story-wise? And if so, what was it? Joe? The conclusion of the Sylvanas story uh, from Stormheim really is about the only outstanding thing I have. Like, I, it just happened. And then I don't know why was we... Was there anything that you were expecting happened. when we first started playing Legion that you were like, yeah, this is going to be in a, this expansion. And I think this is going to be in this expansion. And then it just never showed up. Nope. Actually, for the most part, I think everything I anticipated was was there, and I got I think more than I expected, okay. which was good. Uh, so I, I don't really have any complaints about that. Rossi, what about you? I think for me, um, I kind of thought Ashara might make more of an appearance, and there were Naga involved, and she was definitely plotting. But I thought maybe she'd be more pivotal. But otherwise, no, pretty much. If anything, they did more than I expected them to do. The artifacts came out of nowhere for me. Uh, I didn't really expect what we got out again in Sylvanas was more than I expected we'd get. Um, I, I really didn't. Surmar came out of absolutely nowhere. Like I did not expect we'd see that. I there's one moment in Surmar that was that goes to, to say what I'm saying here. The bit where where uh, Taranda shows up in outside of Surmar and even says, "This was my home. Look what they've done to it." And it's just this feeling of this is what it's like to be 10,000 years old. Everything is gone. You don't like the world you were in is just gone and you'll never get back to it, even if you go back to it. And but that was there. Like I didn't expect that to be there. I didn't think Toronto would go to Saramar. Um, and there she was. And it's just they, they did. I've called this expansion the fan service expansion sometimes kind of like as a joke, but. This is like the best version of fan service where it's not necessarily, oh, let's just throw stuff in because the fans like it. But it's like, hey, remember all that stuff we've been talking about since 2004, which goes back to the games that we've been making since the 19, you know, the, the 1980s and 90s, 1990s, obviously. But they, it was all here and it was here because it was supposed to be here. It wasn't here just to please you. It was here because it was the logical conclusion of events. So, yeah, I mean love it or hate it and I, I i think i'm on board with saying i loved legion you can't argue that they didn't get the points the bits they were supposed to get to they made the story beats they had to make i think the there were two things there were two things that i was expecting that didn't happen and you mentioned one of them rossi i thought that ashara was going to play a larger role in this particularly because we had obviously the eye of ashara dungeon and also because at the end of the ashara quest line 
you saw her very briefly. So I thought that whatever she was trying to do with the Stone of the Tides, all of that, you know, the I thought that that was going to come back in some fashion, particularly since we were dealing with a Legion invasion and when was the last time Ashara was really relevant was a Legion invasion in the War of the Ancients. So I thought that she'd pop up somewhere and she didn't. And that I found kind of odd, but it didn't matter because everything mm. else we had was so satisfying that it was like, okay, well, I guess we didn't really need her. See, it always, it always made more, it, it actually made sense that she, to me at least, that she didn't have that big of a presence because I've always associated her more with old gods than Titans. At this and point, this was yeah, a, but it, and we, this was a this was an expansion about Titans. It was we still had the old god elements kind of playing in there. Not a whole with, lot. Not a whole lot of it. Emerald Nightmare and everything, but it was it was just one of those things where it was like this is a plot thread that I thought that they were going to carry out, like bring along. And then they didn't do it. And I'm not saying that that's like a bad thing or anything. Obviously, as Shara, we we may very well see her in Battle for Azeroth in like a much larger role. If we that would don't, be very I would cool. be surprised. Um, because we are dealing with the ocean and the seas and everything else. And that's kind of as Shara's realm. So I, I expect that we're going to be seeing more out of her in the next expansion, which makes me happy because Ashar is one of those key players that I keep wishing we'd go back to and then we we don't. And I'm like, ah, oh, come on, come on. She's really important, guys. We just need to get to her. Um, so I'm hoping we see her in Battle for Azeroth. And the other one is the one that I have been lamenting ever since Beta. And you know who I'm going to say. Rathion. <laughs> this was like, this, this should have been his expansion. Um... The entirety of his setup in Mists of Pandaria was one of my favorite parts of that expansion. The whole legendary quest chain, everything that he was working towards, and even the end of it where he threw like just this snotty little fit and flew off in his little tiny whelp form. And then we saw him again in War Crimes, and then that was it. And this is the event that he was seeing like this the, the legion coming back that was the thing that Rathion was so concerned with so why wasn't he involved somewhere like why wasn't he around this should have been this should have been some place where he had been at least like a side feature or something and yet we haven't seen him at all not a peep his friend Andwin i mean they are friends they said that they were friends in war crimes is king now and we still haven't heard a peep from Rathian. And I don't know if we're going to now. And to me, that just seems like an utter waste of a character who was so compelling from the moment he was introduced in at the end of Cataclysm there with that rogue legendary quest chain. He was so compelling right from the get-go. And I don't... I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I'm unhappy with everything that we got in Legion. I'm not. Everything we got was fantastic. It's just that him in particular that's one of those plot points where i was like why didn't we include that why why didn't that come into that would have been the most logical person to bring back i think it partially one of the problems too is that since we played in the uh, legion beta and we played fairly early in the legion beta we know that they know that he should have been here mm -hmm. because he was here briefly yeah yeah and then they decided not to do that and it's like okay you took him out here. Why did you do that? <laughs> you know, if you decided to take him out here, 
And it's not well, like the just... voice actor wasn't available because Aaron Phillips, the guy who does Rathion's voice, he does voices for other elves in Suramar. Like you can hear yeah. him talking at, with other NPCs in Suramar. So, I mean, he did some recording for the expansion and I'm like, you guys, come on. <laughs> and, you know, part of it is, like I said, I love Rathion. I think he's probably one of the best new characters that they've come up with in a long time just because he is such a mystery and he's such a unique kind of thing, but without being like a Mary Sue or anything like that, that most people are like, oh, he's like a special snowflake, Mary Sue, whatever. No, Rathian's not that. He's just comes, he came into existence because of something that we did as players. And everything that he's done since then is kind of, in a way, our fault because we're the ones who brought him into existence to begin with. And we've seen him in little bits and pieces, like in the chromie in the chromie thing, you see him out there at the at the black dragon flight the their shrine out there, but that's it. That's like the only time we see him, and I'm just, oh, can you guys please use this character because he's so good, he's such a good character, oh it, my gosh, it almost makes me wonder if we're gonna see him more in b f a because there are some things where I could see where they could have pulled him out of this and like, you know, the armies have gotten to where they need to be. Everybody's in touch with who they need to be in touch with. Things are already in motion and Rathian steps away and says, my work is done. I need to go focus on the other thing, which is rebuilding the Titan. And I mean, there's this a character. Is... There's something involved in what you're just saying here. There's another character that I kind of expected to show up for this one and didn't, but who very much might show up if we got an old gods expansion. Who's that? Rodden. Yeah. Because yeah. at the end of Throne and of Algalon. Thunder... Yeah. But but at the end of Throne of Thunder, Rodden specifically says, you're doomed, you can't beat what's coming, but you've earned the right to try. And it was by getting... He has... when when It's Rathion who sends you to get the Thunder King's heart. And the Thunder King's heart, the reason that that's important is because he stole, you know from Rodin. He stole the, you yep. know, the Titan power from Rodin. And that's what Rathion in, ingests to learn about the final Titan, which that is that crazy voice coming out of his well, mouth. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's why, and that's why I'm leaning towards, I think we might see him in the next expansion because that changes you. We know it changes you when, when a Titan's energy enters into you, it doesn't matter who you are. Um, whether it drives you absolutely crazy and you have to slam it into the earth to keep yourself from going nutso, um, or, you know, you just have all this access to knowledge that you didn't have before, your threat assessment changes, right? And I think that's what, I, to me, I think that would be the best thing that could possibly happen as an explanation of why Rathian wasn't a bigger part of, you know, Legion as a whole, is that his threat assessment changed. He learned more about old gods, which honestly at that point I feel he would have also a personal vendetta with, with what happened between them and the, the Black Dragon flight in general and the fact that even now the only other uncorrupted Black Dragon can't leave where he is without being cu currently just under assault by old gods, that's a huge threat. And if he cares about survival of Azeroth and himself, th I, that's where his focus this is kind would of shift the expansion, to yeah, because exactly. I mean, big old sword and everything. To be to be honest, I kind of I was kind of surprised when Magni came back as the speaker of Azeroth, like and assumed that role because that's a role that I think Rathion could have filled as well. I liked it in the fact that essentially I do like that Magni made himself back. he yeah. made himself earthen again. Yeah. 
Plus, I, I mean, I'm going to be up front. Rathion's a lot of things. Trustworthy is not one of them. No. Rathion could manipulate people into doing things, but he's never going to be. And, and in fact, I wouldn't be surprised at some point you find out like there's a scene where Magni is talking to someone and you don't see who it is. And then after a while, it cuts over and there's a little dragon whelp. And you're like, ah! because the two of them don't work the same way. Magni is the guy who can go. He can just physically go even to the horde and say, you got to do this for Azeroth. But Rathian is the guy when that doesn't work, who's like, all right, let's talk turkey. What do you want? Because I can make it happen. And then afterwards, you know, at the end, he's like, oh, no, I was just I was lying to you. Of course I was lying to you. I was going to have the horde be destroyed. That's not important. You know, like he does. He's that guy. He's when you want a Xanatos gambit, you go to the crazy little black dragon whelp. When you, you want like a stirring heroic speech. OK, yeah, go, go ahead. Talk to the diamond person. Come back to me when you want to get real. You know what I'm saying? Like the two of them play different sides. I could definitely see them. Both they could totally. Involved. They could be the, totally the Turner and Hooch of uh, of Azeroth, and I'd be okay with that. I get to be the dog. <laughs> be the Jazrek and Adar all over again. <laughs> or the Tango and Cash. Whatever. Only this time it's Magni and and Rathian instead of Jazrek and Adar, who I wish would totally come back again. I mean, I know they're over at the Darkmoon Fair, but I still kind of wish I'd see the. Blood Elf and Draenei banter some more because that was kind of fun. Okay, if there's one thing that you guys could have changed about Legion, what what is that, Rossi? I probably would have done some more tinkering with some of which the artifact gets to be what. Like some of the artifacts weren't as cool as other of the artifacts. I'll just say it. Um, not not that they you know none of them are uncool, but I kind of felt really strange about. For an example. For warriors, the the idea of an orc, you know, canonically getting the you know, the sword that you know kills trolls, and that's why it's a famous sword because it was a sword that kills trolls that was you know made for a Vrykul originally and he got passed down to humans. It's just totally this human centric weapon, and uh, you at the end of the expansion, an orc is using it. That's just weird to me. Or, or an alliance of, wielding you know, doomhammer, Broxigar's axe, or something. Yeah. like that. there were some I, there were some weapons where actually, I was like. Where did they? Why didn't they bring that weapon in? Hmm. I, I, I get yeah. what they said. They said something like it was too druidic to use as a warrior weapon, and I kind of understand it. But like Joe just said, you know, a, a dwarf shaman holding the doom hammer just seems real weird. Or, or even worse, a draenei using it. It's like, ah, I'm a draenei, and here's my doom hammer, the weapon that has killed so many of my people. But I agree with the axe of Bro- the, the, the axe of Broxiger because, like, where was that? <laughs> no, no, I would have, like, I would have, I've said this from the beginning. I would have liked it if only for, you know, I'll just say it. For some weapons, they should have been Horde and Alliance split. Um, the ones that come to mind are the, the, the Alliance weapon. The Alliance getting that sword is fine, but the Horde should have got the Roxigar's axe. Um, the Doomhammer, the, you know, Alliance shamans shouldn't have gotten the Doomhammer. It's, it's a, such a Horde. Yeah. No, the Ashbringer I'm okay with. The Ashbringer yeah. isn't you know, because the Ashbringer was used to destroy the Scourge and everybody. It's an hates instrument. The Scourge. It's an instrument of light. Yeah. So that makes everybody sense. Everybody hates the Scourge and everybody could use the Ashbringer. I'm okay with the Ashbringer, but I do feel like some weapons were a little too specific, and some weapons were just. I, I've said this from the beginning. I get why they let Varian's son get his sword. That makes sense, and now at least that way, Varian's sword is still around and not destroyed like every artifact seems to have been but i still wanted it i still wanted to use that sword instead of what i ended up getting as a fury warrior i'm sorry i just i will always feel that way and i do feel like the the 
I feel like that that kind of stuff could have been done a little differently. I still in some don't cases. feel comfortable about the fact that I'm carrying around the weapons that killed King. Yeah, King Lane. Lane. You're, you're, yeah. yeah, the we- the weapon she cut his heart out with. I, I'm like, uh, no, I don't like and it. Every so often, as a rogue, you imagine as your rogue, you going to like you know Stormwind Keep and talking to Anduin. It's like, oh, that's interesting daggers you have on your side there. Yeah, they are interesting. I, well, I, I got to go. I got them at a thrift store. Don't worry about it. It's not the a part that I hate though. is like when you walk around with those weapons. Occasionally, somebody will pipe up and go, "Oh yes, I remember those. Those are the weapons that tore out the heart of King Lane Rin." And I'm like, "Someone does." Can really? you say that a little, little more quietly? Because <laughs> in, inside voice, <laughs> inside voices, please. <laughs> some, of the, some of them are really cool. Like for instance, the Death Knight one, where you walk by people and like that axe looks like it hungers to eat my soul. And you're like, yeah, it totally does. Yeah, this this Zalatath. I mean... Zalatath was probably one of the best weapons that they introduced, just because it has so many interesting things to say. Yeah, I, I feel like a little bad actually that more people don't know how cool Alaneth is. Uh, Alaneth is the the, we'll the mage staff. Yeah, and we'll also yeah. be chatty with you. Yes. But but the, another thing, if we're talking about changes, this is a weird one because it's actually me saying something was really good. Uh, the Death Knight campaign from start to finish, including the part where you get your mount, is just chef's kiss good. I think it's the best one. If it's not the best one, it's close to the best one. It has the most consequences going forward. It's got the most, you know, really crazy stuff happens. It's got the most lore in it and the most, like, pivotal moments. And I think some others were just about as good. And some others, like the Hunter one, Hunter one wasn't as good. It kind of fell apart a little bit. I yeah. the Death Knight the Death Knight chain, I do not regret using my boost on a Death Knight specifically to play that quest chain because it was so good. Like it was so good. It was worth using the one ten boost on a Death Knight <laughs> just to experience that stuff. I I'm I'm completely satisfied with my choice there. Uh Joe, if there was one thing that you could change about Legion, what would you have changed uh honestly i would have found a way to make broken shore matter like the zone as more than what it was and what we got to play around in like to do something more with it to do something more transformative with it than just a daily quest hub or a grind point to exalt it so that you can progress your other things um it it really is like the one weak point as far as like content goes throughout the entirety of the expansion for me if i had do you think that maybe if they had taken that scenario that they used to open it and instead made that like an unfolding part of the questing? I think that would have been better. Yeah, because the scenario, you end up just running through it and a bunch of people like, oh, now do this, and, and then you're done. And it's like, okay. I, I honestly feel like they could have broken that up and made it more of a campaign to unlock the Broken yeah. Shore. Yeah. You're right there. I, I can't really argue on that. The only other thing that I would possibly change is a mechanical thing and not necessarily a story thing. And that is, I, while I absolutely, absolutely love artifacts, I also sort of hate them a little bit because they became too impactful to how players played. And I wish I would have, I wish there would have been a little more care with what powers and attributes were attributed to them. Um, other than that, like those are the only two things that really stick in my craw. I think, and I'm going to be very nitpicky here because I do agree with you on the Broken Shore thing and that's actually like, that probably would be my number one choice is do something to that experience through the Broken Shore to kind of expand the story a little bit and make that a little more impactful. Um, 
I'm going to be really nitpicky, though, and list one other thing. I do not think Neptalon should have been a part of the Shaman Class Order Hall. I will fight you. I do not think. <laughs> Dude, and you're going to lose. Reason why, the reason why <laughs> is because he shows up. He just shows up. And that whole question that was lingering at the end of Cataclysm, that whole, what happened to Neptalon? Where did he go? Where did they take him to? Is he okay? Is he with Ashara? What's going on here? That was a story beat that could have been expanded into something really, really cool. And instead, it kind of got brushed aside with a, oh yeah, I'm here now. And that was it. Well, while I don't disagree with you that it was a little weird that he just pops back up, I'm glad that he did. And I'm hoping that in the old God more centered expansion that we'll get more of what happened with him, especially considering that we're going to be going to a place that has a whole lot to do with water and people See, that really care about water. I'm going to be upfront. I feel like at some moment when we least need, when we most don't want this to happen, Neptalon is going to turn to us and go, by the way, they totally corrupted me and I've been playing you this whole time and attack us. When well, See, and I'd be okay with that. that. I'd be okay with that. That makes sense. That. Think, think about it, though. That makes a little bit of sense and they could pull that off and I would not be upset. And the reason yeah, for that is because he was the voice of reason of allowing Magatha essentially to keep the Doomstone there. Like, this is that true. whole thing was him. And it always struck me Which as... Which was oh, weird, right? There were some weird We can weird trust things. her with the Doomstone. Yeah, there were some like, weird why? things going on in the Shaman Order Hall. And yeah, it, it it feels like... Like I said, with the, with the Neptalon thing, I feel like if we had just like found another water elemental, like another powerful water elemental... Like, I don't know, that dude that used to be out in Ashara that we like had to Rexus. go talk... Yes, that we had to go talk to to get the the for molten core that guy. Uh, it would have been cool if we had said, "Hey, how would you like to lead the water?" See, I I I am in agreement with you two, kind of both of you. And here's my thing: I feel like they should have made getting Neptalon back part of the quest chain. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They should have like we ha- you know we need to get Neptalon back i'm going to send you to the realm of azamat where you will fight you know the the titanic you know kraken that would have to... been cool i would have been okay and with that I too i don't get why they didn't because they give did that a... for fire elementals they did you know what i mean they had like give me a give me a give me a time walking scenario or or something where like we go back and we are the actual reason that he got freed or something like that later on and i'd be okay with that too retcon it a little bit that's fine they, they put in thunder on for god's sake and had us do stuff to get thunder on back if we can get thunder on back why the heck can't we get you know that's just is like oh yeah i was fine no see what happened was a gigantic crack and grabbed my face and pulled me off. But then I was like, hey, I'm in a water. So I just squirted out. It's cool. Don't worry about me. I'm certainly not corrupted by the old gods and their agent here to you know betray you at a pivotal moment. No, no, I'm cool. What's going on? I still maintain that him and the squid just went off to get married. Like, I've been saying that for years. <laughs> I like, just that, think that it would be cool. Plan. I just Bad think it would have been cool if we had, like, we had established somebody else as, like, the Lord of the Oceans or whatever and said, okay, you're going to be in our class order hall. You're the leader now. And then later on, Neptalon shows up again and says, excuse me, you did what? No, there's only one ruler of the waves here. And I'm him. I know because Ashara told me so. And then he tries to kick our butts. You know, I mean, there's, like, all kinds of stuff that they could have done with him. I feel like that was a story beat that was just kind of, like... Eh, we're just gonna let that drop. <laughs> I wish it hadn't I, been dropped. Guys, do we have any ideas for Neptalon? Nope. All right, whatever. Anyway, 
regardless, um, we're kind of out of time here. We're actually a little over time, so I want to go ahead and wrap up the show. Uh, if you ha- guys have, a- we didn't get to the emails. It's okay. We'll carry them over to next time. That's fine. If you guys have any emails for Lore Watch, please be sure to send those to podcast at blizzardwatch.com and include Lore Watch in the subject line so that we know that they're intended for this show. Um, obviously, with 8.0 coming out, people are going to have questions about the lore stuff that happens in 8.0 and that is going to be free and fair game for the next episode so yeah all spoiler warnings are off as of then so if you have any questions about the content that you're playing through once 8.0 hits send them our way podcast at blizzardwatch.com lore watch of the subject line so we know it's for this show for you guys the listeners of blizzard watch audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service they have so many books. They have thousands of books available that you can listen to on your commute or, you know, while you're grinding out the rest of first aid, although you won't be able to do that after Tuesday, but you know what I mean. When you're doing your random stuff in Azeroth, you can easily have an audiobook playing, and Audible has all kinds of those, including a lot of Blizzard books. I know we talked about War Crimes. I believe the audiobook for War Crimes is still available on Audible. And uh, Before the Storm, the newest novel that just came out by Christy Golden, that one is also available on Audible. You can download either of those as your free audiobook download, so why not? It's lore. It's cool. It's fun. You can download many of those titles or any of the others that are available by going to blizzardwatch.com slash audible and every sign up helps support the show. Blizzard Watch. It's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Okay, final thoughts. I want you guys to pick one just one and this is going to be a hard question who was your favorite character from legion joe ebonhorn okay just just because of uh the big reveal with him and everything that leads up to it and the fact that like here's this big powerful person this big powerful creature who's been around forever in the world has seen so many pivotal things literally takes you through all of these huge pivotal moments like it was just such a cool thing to go back and 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 he facilitated being home and you know showed how the the high mountain torn were sort of intertwined with the ancients in a way that like you didn't really expect and shows how deep their connection to the earth to Azeroth goes um and then having that big reveal at the end where you go through and do everything in Eltharian's lair and all those flashbacks there as well or the the little hidden area where he sends you back and you fight against what look like agents of Algalon almost essentially uh, basically to protect home and I cannot remember the the other troll's name um, but like it was just such a cool moment uh, everything about him is just fun and, and informative and has weight to it and I just love the way that the character presented all of that to you and how he interacts with you throughout the entirety of, of High Mountain in general. What about you, Rossi? It, can you say you like someone because you hate them? Sure. I'm yeah. Just, which which character captured your interest the most in Legion? Odin. Oh, yeah? Because he's such a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> just there are other characters who are heroic and brave or funny or whatever. I liked Illidan, I liked Cadgar, but I hated Odin. Like I 
every time he told me to do something, every time he like just used me like a Pokemon to fight people for his own amusement, every time he sent me off somewhere without really knowing what I was doing and just kind of dropped me in the... Yeah, Odin, I hate that guy. <laughs> but my God, he's entertaining. Sitting up there with his flaming beard and getting all upset about everything and just being a total jerk and possibly being really responsible for why hell you is, you know, everything hell you did is because he's a jackass. It just, yeah, Odin. Odin is my jerk of the expansion. <laughs> I just, I can't help it. <laughs> he's such an ass. Okay, I'm going to name somebody possibly kind of obscure, um, but he's still my favorite. And that would be Runus, the Shamed from. Oh yeah! Azuna. Oh yeah! <laughs> he was he was voiced by Jim Cummings, and yeah. you only got him for a handful of quests. And at the very end, there, the way that those lines are delivered at the very end, there, where he says, "My friend, I can't see you anymore," just broke my heart. And I think that a giant reason that Suramar stuck with me the way that it did was specifically because of Runus because in that short little tiny series of quests that you had him tagging along with you you got everything you needed to know about the Nightborn's experience everything you needed to know about the Nightfallen and the Nightborn and that conflict that was going on there it was all encapsulated in this one dude and this heartbreaking ending that still makes me cry every time I think about it. I love that guy. And of course, like I said, he was voiced by Jim Cummings. So anytime you have Jim Cummings voice a character, I'm going to love them. <laughs> I think this is possibly why I like Odin too, because Odin is voiced by the same voice actor who voices Cadgar and who <sighs> voices Braytac on Stargate. He's so and good. I, I can't hear Tony Amendola and not be like, yeah, okay. You're a jerk, but my God. He's so good. <laughs> yeah. You're you're very good at it. But yeah, the, Ronas, you, you mentioned him, and I, had, I hadn't forgotten him, but it's just, it's one of those quiet moments. Yeah. Like, you don't save him. You yeah. don't kill him. You just watch, because there's nothing you can do about That's it. That's all you can do is watch. And it, it like I said, it kind of perfectly encapsulated everything that was happening in Suramar in one character for one brief moment and I really I loved that character so much so um yeah that's it that wraps us up <laughs> on a downer sorry guys but thank you guys as always for listening and we will see you again in two weeks Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.